Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Jeff Aiden, co-founder and executive vice president of marketing and business development, Ian Willoughby, chief architect cloud solutions, and Skip Berry, executive director of cloud enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Hey, everybody. Jeff Aiden, co-founder of Second Watch here, and I am joined by our co-host, Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. And we have a special guest today from Microsoft. Uh, if you hear some background noise, like many of you, we are working remote during this period of COVID-19. And wishing every listener out there the very best in staying safe. Today, we're going to look at the Azure uh, cloud adoption framework and the best practices for cloud adoption using Microsoft Azure and cloud native tools and the basic elements around Sentinel security offered by Azure. We're joined today by Frida Bramal, a cloud solution architect for one Microsoft commercial team. And she has been part of Microsoft for 19 years. So she has seen the shift in the last five years that Microsoft's made, as well as their emphasis on the cloud. So we're looking forward to hearing those insights today, Farida, from you. And, and I'll give you a second to kind of give us an overview of what you've observed as Microsoft has really changed and become very aggressive in cloud and cloud solutions. So welcome. Hello, everyone. Frida from Microsoft working as a cloud solution architect, helping Microsoft partners their solutions on Azure. Today, I'm here to talk about Microsoft's cloud adoption framework and our security practices, especially focusing on Azure Sentinel. So Frida, you've been at Microsoft for 19 years and, and obviously have seen um, the shift to cloud and it's been very aggressive by Microsoft. Obviously you moved in the cloud group. What got you excited about Azure and, and putting a focus and emphasis on you moving into that group? So I started this journey in the Azure cloud, in the Azure teams around seven years back. I truly feel we are in a fantastic place. The reason Microsoft went on this part is in this fast changing digital world, our customers need speed. Our customers need to be really quick and be able to get their services out on the cloud. Microsoft strongly believes that our customers need speed. Cloud offers that speed. In one click, one minute, you have your platform on which you can start uh, your business, you can start your uh, solutions, your offerings in just five minutes. I remember five years back, seven years back, when I ever thought of uh, creating my own website or hosting uh, something like that, I, uh, my solutions, I would think about, okay, how much money do I need to invest upfront? What will it take for me to have these solutions out there? In today's world, if I have an idea, middle of the night, I can go up and have my solution available to my customers in just a few clicks without any upfront cost. This is the reason why Microsoft strongly believes that cloud is the way, cloud offers what our customers need, and we have invested 100% of our resources into making sure that our customers need from the cloud what they want. 
Wow. So seven years. So you saw the change in leadership there, obviously, and a number of changes culturally and changes with Azure from the very beginning. That's quite a journey to be able to witness from such a large technology company. Hey, Frida, let's jump in and look at uh, you know some of the questions that we prepared today for our listeners. Um, we're talking about the cloud adoption framework. Why don't you tell us what that is, why Microsoft developed it, and how it's important for our listeners as they start to work with and leverage Azure Cloud? Sure, sure. Uh, I'll give you, I'll start with a very small story, and this is my real experience. One of my partners came in this uh, cloud world, not knowing what it is, and knowing that I'm from Microsoft, came and asked me, okay, I'm doing this migration. I have been trying to do it for the last three months, and I still don't see how it's going uh, or when it will finish. I asked my friend, okay, how are you doing the migration? Tell me how many machines you have, or tell me uh, which solutions are you starting the migration? And the answer was, let me create an Excel sheet, and I'll send it that across to you. It took him a week in order to do that and come back to me. The reason Microsoft came up with this cloud adoption framework is so that our customers who are wanting to move to the cloud have a prescribed framework in order to avoid such pitfalls that I just described. Uh, cloud journey is very easy, very seamless if it's done the right way. Microsoft has been helping our customers for years going through this cloud journey. We have got lots of best practices, things that we recommend, tools that we provide to make this cloud transformation journey, the digital journey, seamless, easy for our customers. Cloud adoption framework is all these best practices and learnings that we, Microsoft, have in one way so that it makes our customers' experience fast, smoothless, and painless. Sounds great. So... Obviously, you guys have been uh, involved with a lot of enterprises getting into the cloud. What we run into a lot of times is industries will say, yeah, but our, our vertical or our, our particular market segment is, is a lot different from everybody else's. Do you feel as though the cloud adoption framework really is built around it? Does it work for all uh, enterprises? Um, yes and no. So, yes, every industry vertical has its own little things that we need to be careful about or we need to uh, learn from. Example, financial institutions, security is the highest need, while as some uh, educational institution, they want to make sure that uh, privacy is well provided and uh, cost is a big factor. Cloud adoption framework has taken into consideration the different industries from which we have worked with and learned with, which is literally every industry in the world. And the guidance that we have come up, though it is not currently sliced per industry, but the best practices and techniques prescribed in this cloud adoption framework does carry value for every vertical and every industry. So follow on to that. It's interesting. So with each, if you look at it from every vertical, you know, and then trying to make it common across, uh, you know, what has Microsoft done with the CAF, with the cloud adoption framework to kind of normalize this across? Like, so uh, explain the strategy plan, ready, 
uh, migrate, innovate, govern, manage those stages to a depth that's um, you know fitting for the time that we have. But if you could uh, drill into some of those a little bit, help our listeners understand you know the process that they would go through uh, with CAP. Sure, sure. So there is no single adoption path that will work for every organization. This is a guidance, right? And in the guidance phase, what we have done is we strongly recommend that you go through this motion of first strategizing what you need. What's the motivation for your cloud migration? What are the business outcomes that you are expecting? Why are you going through this cloud journey? And of course, what would be your first project that you want to go through this uh, motion of uh, getting it to the cloud? Uh, some of the best practices that we recommend is when you select your first project, make sure that first project is a project that does not impact your uh, bottom line, a project that is uh, not high on the risk factor. The reason is when you go through this motion, this journey, you will be learning along. And that's where the first project needs to be one where you can afford to make mistakes. Once you have strategized, okay, why I need to move to the cloud, what are the business outcomes I need, and that's the time you go into the planning. In the planning phases, what you want to make sure is you, you know what is your digital estate. For example, you have 5,000 machines on-prem and you want to move to the cloud. Do you know which machines are serving which solutions? Do you know how how good or bad these machines are utilized? Do you know your current network? What's your digital asset that you have currently have? Certain other things to be considering while you are planning through this would be, is your organization aligned to go through this journey? Many of our customers who are coming from the on-prem world or other uh, places, they may not be aligned to the cloud world. What I mean by that, the on-prem world is more ticketing based, like, okay, OPEX based, and uh, I need four machines. Come to me after four months and you'll get these four machines. Do you have a central management team? How are you aligned? In the cloud world, you want to pull down any barriers that you have between your operational units, between your business units. making sure that you are rightly organized, aligned to go through this journey. All these best practices as to what that alignment might look like. The recommendations, the learnings are well documented. Great, so now you know that you want uh, to migrate these solutions. You know that you have aligned your teams to be successful. Are your teams ready in terms of the skill set? There are operational, fantastic operational teams However, they may not know how the cloud works. They may not know what's a virtual network compared to a physical Cisco router. Make sure that we have a good skill readiness plan. They may not be ready today, but we have to make sure they are ready a few months down the lane when your business operates in the cloud. And that's the whole planning phase that the best practices, the different aspects that you need to look at for your organization to be ready to take this leap in the cloud. It may not be an overnight process. However, if it's planned well, it does go very quickly. Where do we where do we see most customers struggling in that arc of uh, those gates that you go through uh, from your experience? Um, 
there are different types of customers in terms of where they start with. So the strategy phase comes from the business. If the businesses know why they're moving, we are good. However, in the planning phase, some customers take the leap too quickly in the sense of, do you want to migrate your first SAP workload in the cloud, which may not be the best idea. Or uh, So in terms of maturity and where I see customers do is about strategizing and planning in the right fashion. You want to have a strong partner with you who has gone through this journey a couple of times. The reason is they will make sure that you don't fall into hurdles and pitfalls that they have seen their customers uh, go through. A few things that I have seen is the breaking down, uh, especially for larger organizations, breaking down the barriers that we generally see when companies operate on-prem world. In the on-prem world, the business units are separate from the IT operational units, are separate from the support teams, are separate. There is very defined swim lanes. In the cloud world, we have to make sure we operate as virtual teams. We will have definitely have our own swim lanes. It's not that the developer will do the operational team's job. However, the swim lanes start merging, and there will be overlaps in what the developers are doing. Uh, compared to what the uh, operation schemes are doing. I'll give a very simple example. In a cloud world, the developer has the ability to create their own new machines, virtual machines, to deploy their code directly into the dev environments, right? Uh, so the operation schemes job over here would be making sure that whatever the developers need to do, they are able to do with speed. However, managing the security and the compliance needs that are required for the organization to stay safe. Now, a lot of times we run into customers and they've started their own strategy and maybe some planning and, and we find them stuck with the, what we'll call analysis paralysis. They just can't seem to get out of the gate. Do you feel as though from your experience with this that if they start with this process that'll eliminate a lot of that aspect? Definitely, yes. You are right. Uh, people do go into circles. The reason is not knowing what the future holds for them, not having that experience. Going through this motion of migrating or taking your cloud journey according to the recommendations that come from the cloud adoption framework definitely makes them feel comfortable, makes them see what the future holds for them, and helps them to organize so that they are set up for success. It's funny. We say a lot of times that we're like cloud shrinks, right? In the, in that process, you know, um, but so it is, it is hard, right? To get people to think these new thoughts, but I think that explains it very, very well, as far as keeping customers focused on what's ahead of them, right. And how to align and how to, you know, basically, you know, be prepared for, um, for evolving. So that's a great explanation. Yeah, cloud therapist, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody that's worked with customers moving to the cloud or large customers understands that one. Hey, Frida, is there a certification process for CAF, you know, the cloud adoption framework, or is it just the, the standard, you know, documentation that you want to follow? Can you explain that process? Sure, sure. So cloud adoption framework 
is best practices documented along with tools that are available. In terms of certifications, not necessary as such a certification for end customers. However, for our partners, when we enable our partners coming from a partner organization, we do have way to certify them in the sense that we review their offerings and their solutions and make sure they are aligned to cloud adoption framework. The reason is when they approach their customers, we want our partners to embark this journey so that it makes it easier for our customers. So the CAF has six different uh, steps uh, that we would recommend. Not necessarily you have to go in serialized fashion across this, but make sure you strategize, you plan. In the readiness phase, we highly recommend that you have your uh, landing zones or best practice validations. Simple example would be when you are ready for your cloud journey, uh, do you want your disk to be encrypted? What is your security landscape that you're looking for? What type of uh, machines you want in the cloud? Do you want to limit the type of machines your developers can get? All those best practice validations, you may want to go through in your ready phases of your cloud adoption framework and review the guide uh, in for the readiness as to how you can get ready for your cloud journey. In the adopt phase, we discuss or we think about as to will you be just migrating what you currently have on-prem and move it to the cloud like an infrastructure migration or do you want to do a little more innovation where you want to continuize your applications what uh, what is the best route for you for one customer it may be lift and shift for another customer it may be that we need to continuize your applications so those are the type of discussions that you may want to see through when you are going through the migrations uh, in the adoption. There are govern and manage phases. These fall across your strategy, plan, ready, and adopt. In terms of governance and management, the cloud offers a lot of uh, automations that you can leverage to make sure that your cloud infrastructure remains secure and you have insights into your cloud infrastructure. There are new customers who are not aware as to how will I make sure that my developer does not open port 80 or RDP port into my environments. There are tools like Azure policies that you can leverage to see if there are deviations from your existing environment. If anyone has made it unsecure, Microsoft Cloud will come and tell you that, okay, these are the holes or these are the things which you need to make sure uh, are implemented so that your environment is secure. Highly suggest, recommend, review the governance and management so that when you go into the cloud, you have a complete insight into your environment. And if your environment deviates to what you would like it to be, you know about it. We want you to be safe and secure in your, and compliant whether you are in cloud or in a hybrid environment. That is what cloud adoption framework talks about, documents it, best practices, learnings, and tools all along the journey. Farina, that is a great overview of CAF as well as certification process and documentation. Really appreciate you explaining that to our listeners. And one thing to go back around kind of govern and manage, you know, around security is um, Azure Sentinel. Can you take a minute to describe 
what that service is and how it can help protect customers. Sure. Azure Sentinel is a cloud-based themes and source solution, which means it helps you for your security incident and event management and take automated actions based on if you get alerts or if you get uh, things that are not right for your security environment. Being a cloud-based theme solution, again, it brings the power where you don't need any infrastructure to start on this uh, journey of being a SOC provider. So Azure Sentinel is a theme solution that provides a bird eye view across your environment, be it cloud, be it on-prem. If there are attacks that are happening in your environment, you will see it. In fact, if Sentinel is rightly implemented in your environment, these attacks can be avoided, prevented upfront. So you remain, your environment remains secure. Microsoft has done a fantastic job of providing a cloud native, scalable security information and management theme solution that's our Sentinel. And it just doesn't do that. It orchestrates the automated responses. If there are things wrong in your environment, you can automate the responses. The reason Microsoft is able to deliver Sentinel is because Microsoft has hundreds of services that we host in a cloud. Microsoft has tons of services that have been around for the last 20 plus years. Azure, Dynamics, Office 365, M365, Xbox, and I can keep on going. Because we have the experience of operating in the cloud, we have security intelligence that we are now leveraging in Azure Sentinel to provide the same level of security that Microsoft leverages to protect its own services. In Sentinel, we have provision to collect logs across your hybrid environment, not just your on-prem, not just your Azure cloud, you can even collect and look into your third-party cloud providers. We provide intelligence where you can detect threats, minimize false positives because of the intelligence and our experience of protecting our own systems in the cloud. When there are uh, threats or alerts that happen in the environment, Sentinel offers you the capability to provide automated responses to suspicious activities that may be happening in your environment. So Farida, is it learning all the time since it seems like Microsoft is leveraging its own internals, if you will, um, watching the house of Azure? Is it learning all the time? And that's, uh, you know, the customers, clients that are using this downstream are reaping the benefits of that AI process uh, for threat detection and monitoring and, and what have you. Yes, definitely, yes. Uh, Microsoft, I think uh, there is a number that we had put out some time back. We have like 10 petabytes of information that we collect on a daily basis. It is based on this information that we collect. We have our own machine learning and threat intelligence models that are integrated into the system. And based on that, Sentinel Services is leveraging the Microsoft intelligent uh, threat intelligence that's provided by and used by Microsoft. So yes, you are getting a lot out of Sentinel just because of the threat intelligence and machine learning that we incorporate into Sentinel. 
Yeah, very impressive. And I, I think uh, anybody that has to work with security auditors is going to love this product as well. Uh, could you share with the, our audience, just like, let's take a couple examples of some of the automatic remediation steps that could take place. Maybe a typical kind of security event and what would happen without even any intervention from humans. Sure. So let's say if you are in the security world, you may already know about when a bad actor gets in your environment, generally they have an intent of getting to your data or harming you. Most of these bad actors, they are operating on a commercial scale in order to monetize what uh, data they can get out of your environment. One uh, example is, let's say today, I am over here in Dallas, Texas, and tomorrow I go to China, or uh, it appears that I have gone to China because I log in from a machine that's located in the China uh, system. One of the things that you can do is, okay, you figured out Farida has logged in from China region, maybe send an automated email to my manager. Of course, you can all dynamically discover who my manager is uh, and send an email to my manager asking, was Farida supposed to be in China at this day and time? And if my manager says, yes, she was on a business visit, Great, no action may be needed. However, for my manager says, no, she's not supposed to be there. It means either my account got hacked or something, uh, some bad actors are trying to get into some systems. Go ahead and automatically disable my account. Next time I log in, force me to change my password. These are the type of automated actions that you can take. Many of these actions are completely customizable. So based on your business needs, you can take the automated actions that fulfills your business requirements. That's great. Now, let's talk about how easy it is to get started with this uh, uh, this opportunity with this product. Is it hard to roll out or do you find that it's uh, relatively easy? I have been, like we already talked, 19 years, right? Sentinel is one of the few, few products where on day one, it was like, how will we be able to handle the volume and the interest in this product? And the reason is, if you have ever leveraged any SIEM solution, you will know how much upfront cost is associated with it. It takes at least a few days to set it up. Sentinel being a cloud-native SIM, it is less than five minutes where you can go to the Azure portal and say, I need a Sentinel workspace. I need to get started on Sentinel. Start sending your logs into Sentinel. 30 days, you have to pay nothing. Many of the logs ingested into Sentinel are free, like our Azure activity logs, our M365 alerts and logs. They are free. So to answer your question, it's less than five minutes to get started on Sentinel, and it's unbelievably easy in order to use it uh, once you get started. Farida, thank you very much for that explanation. Sure, my pleasure. To get started on Azure Sentinel, I would say definitely go in Azure portal and try it out. If this is a product that fits your need and you need further help, you need further deeper engagements, please do engage our partners. They are very well equipped. We work very closely with them to make sure they are educated and equipped 
to help our customers. Second Watch is a fantastic partner and an example who is well-versed with cloud adoption framework and well-versed and has built up their muscle to provide Sentinel security services. Hey, Frida, thank you so much for joining us today. I enjoyed the conversation. And on behalf of Skip and Ian, just want to appreciate you um, sharing your experience with our listeners. Hey, uh, listeners, for feedback or questions or comments, please send those to cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. Stay safe out there. Practice social distancing. And we look forward to you listening in next week. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Jeff Aiden, Ian Willoughby, and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. 